0: Hey everyone! Before we start, just want to let everybody know. In the last part of it, um, maybe the last like 20 minutes, we use some um, explicit language. So if you're listening with kids, you might want to put some headphones in when you get to that point. All right, enjoy the episode.
1: Acts two is such an important part to evangelicalism and starting churches. Then why have we not solved world hunger and world poverty?
0: And welcome to Evangel Bros, your weekly podcast about biblical literacy, discipleship, and historical slash cultural context. I'm your co-host, George Benson. I'm your other co-host, Don Sheaver. And we are back this week and talking about Acts 2, getting back into the uh, field guide for overthrowing empire. Yes. Which feels kind of great.
1: You know, it's... As as our churches like continue to go through it, um, we're now a few chapters in, and it just becomes more and more astounding having these conversations with folks ab- around this this book and just watching and seeing how when we read it through this lens, we there's really such a uh, oh what's the word I want to use um, it's very gripping like it, it has so much traction in my soul with, with really considering this as being so subversive to empire and so powerful. Um, so I'm really excited about the discussion. I'm really glad that we're getting to do this with our listeners and I hope that they get the opportunity to, to kind of read along with us and, uh, and think about this too, um, because
0: it's so important. Yeah, uh, and you brought up something that I wanted to mention that I forgot to at the very beginning, which is uh, there are two episodes in your feed this morning from us. One is me reading Acts two to you, so if you haven't um, listened to it yet, now's a great time to pause and go back listen to it. That way, uh, you're you're in on the conversation.
1: Yes, definitely do that because. I think having, you know, understanding that context, because obviously in our short amount of time, although some people might think our podcast is a bit long, maybe um, we don't really have time to go through the entire chapter. Yeah. Um, we're picking just pieces of it out. And I would love to hear from our listeners, other things in the chapter, maybe that we don't get a chance to discuss that for them also resonates with this idea of overthrowing empire.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I will say that that was something that always uh, frustrated me when we were having our our regular discipleship meetings years ago um, was uh, how we would pick... Part of it at the time was we would pick a book to go over and you kind of let it be up to me what parts we chose. And I wanted it to be like an intense Bible study through the entire chapter. And we would almost always spend the entire hour going over, I don't know, a handful of verses that I thought were throwaway lines. I just breezed over and and everything. So, um, you know, it's been a while since we've mentioned this, but part of this podcast is about what discipleship can look like, at least how it looks between myself and Don. Um, and so that's, that's pretty common. And I wish that's something somebody would have told me, uh, from the, (laughs) you know, from the onset, but that's all good. But yeah
1: yeah and i we're gonna see that I think today too. Um, because for me, really, what I would encourage people to do is if you want a bigger scale reading of Acts two, go listen to one of our episodes where we talk about Shavuot um or or the week of Pentecost.
0: yeah those are I'll put the show notes those in the show notes. those are typically our Easter episodes where we've talked about that.
1: Yeah, right around that time. Yeah, so, um, but definitely go listen to Shavuot or Pentecost, depending on how we have it labeled. Like George said, he'll put it in the show notes. But if you want a more broad uh, reading of Acts 2, definitely take a listen to those. And honestly, I think in some ways, even to read that, uh, or not read that, to to listen to that prior to this might even give you some more ground for understanding. So. You want to pause this, go back, listen to that, and then check back in with us, um, because I really think some of that groundwork there is going to be pertinent.
0: I agree. Uh,
1: I guess with all that, let's get started. Yeah, so George, I want to start with the way Acts 2 basically ends. Okay. Um, so we're skipping a huge portion of Acts 2. <laughs> Just, you know, most of it. Yeah, just you know, forty plus verses, right? Yeah. So, so kind of, uh, do me a favor, read from like Acts forty-two-ish to the end.
0: All right. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, let's see. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. Uh, Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of the people. And uh, day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. Okay, so this is to
1: me such an important piece to this section well first of all if you listen to the shavuot or pentecost episode i believe we address this as being part and if we didn't then here's a new piece to you that one of the ways that pentecost was known to be completed like the closing ceremonies of pentecost if you will if you imagine it as like olympics-esque the closing ceremonies would have been uh, to demonstrate that it's completed, it's finished, the celebration is coming to an end is that there were the poor or people that lacked things were actually taken care of. that was the way you knew you had a successful shavuot was that the poor were fed, the poor's needs were taken care of, and a lot of this goes back to god God having this uh, desire amongst the people that don't bring me an offering of celebration, uh, of food when your neighbor is hungry. Uh, don't bring me a gift when your neighbor is suffering. Uh, because how can I celebrate if everyone isn't cared for? And so this picture then becomes this as everyone's needs are met. This is this is the sign of a successful and beautiful and perfect Shavuot. So George, just off the top of your head because I'm sure when you read through Acts two and you, you prepared for today, this might not have been in the top. I don't know, 40 verses, uh, you know. <laughs> about today. Um, so why do you think that I have pinpointed this verse or these this section of verses as being uh, so important for us when we're understanding overthrowing empire?
0: Well, um, if we're thinking in the context of, of the church at the time and being under the thumb of Rome, mm-hmm. um, and I believe we've even talked about it on this podcast. I know we've talked about it. Um, personally, one of, the, one of the images that comes to mind is when they would start throwing bread before the games. Mm-hmm. Rome would. Um, in, yep. What was that? Breads and circuses, is yeah. what they yeah. um, Part of a way to do that was the church was taking care of those who actually were in need. And Rome was trying to get in on that uh, to say, hey, look, we're taking care of you just as well, or, you know, whatever. So that, that initially comes to mind. So why
1: why do you think that that's significant? Like, what are some of the implications of the church doing this? Or the people, the faithful? I, I'm still, just so you know, I say church is okay, but that's a bit anachronistic because this is still very much Judaism at this yeah.
0: point. Yeah, it's, yeah, those, they they were not separate from each other. That's doing this. Yes. Thank you. Why is this, uh, why is this significant with Rome? Well, if you've got your needs being taken care of by somebody or your, your, your needs are being met, then it gives you time to think about other things that um, might not be good. As in, you know, if I don't have to worry about where my food is coming from today, then it gives me time to look at all the other injustices around me and have the energy to do something about it. Right, that's spot on. Right, like this
1: whole thing of like sometimes when when all your when you're trying to survive, there's a there's a, a statement I heard someone say one time when I lived in Blacksburg. I had never heard it before, but. They said they wanted to move from survive to thrive. And so kind of using that when you are trying to survive, it's, it's nearly impossible to thrive. And as long as you're in a situation where survival is your goal, you don't have the energy means, uh, ability to fight against other things right? If you're just trying to get food on your table, then you don't have time or you also don't want to risk uh, losing what little bit you have. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So this, this verse becomes really important in that not only does chapter two set up this new Exodus imagery of Mount Sinai and the giving of Torah and the baptism and the salvation of 3000. And again, salvation in the form of safety uh, and rescue. But it also has this thing where, and the people began to sit and learn because they had time to, why did they have time to sit and learn from the
0: apostles? Because Because all their needs were met.
1: Because their needs were met. And so they had time to learn. They had time to be uh, uh, gathered and to be taught about what God uh, has in mind for them and the hope that God has for them to be away from oppression. And they have time to hear the stories of, of Jesus, the rabbi who was lynched because he was a threat to Rome because he demanded that all people be safe or saved, that he demanded that salvation be a universal thing. And that was a threat to Rome, who Rome imagined they bring salvation, but they bring salvation by defeating their enemies and conquering their enemies. And Jesus brings salvation. Like, how would you describe the way that Jesus wanted to bring about safety versus Caesar wanted to bring? So Caesar, we have Pax Romano, is how Caesar brings about peace or safety, right? How would you, what would you describe as Jesus' uh, ideal or method of bringing about peace?
0: That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought of it like this. Um, I do think we do,
1: right? Because we only make, we make salvation so spiritual that we think Jesus just wanted everyone to say a prayer.
0: Yeah. So what, what comes to mind initially about this, and this is me going off the cuff is I think about the feeding of the 5,000 and um, those who gather around him to hear his teachings are the, the that are typically fed or healed, mm-hmm. and so those two things allow time to now you know to think about the teachings and and the same thing that we're talking about. It seems like that uh, man. I'm gonna. I I sorry. I've got like a couple of things going <laughs> in my head right now because I've never thought about it
1: like this. I would really love for you to keep processing this. And maybe we can edit out chunks, uh, (laughs) pause, but I would love for you to keep processing because I think what you're kind of experiencing processing with this is really what maybe some of our listeners are going to experience too, that this is a new way of thinking about what did Jesus have in mind with the way that his kingdom that he was bringing about would rule and bring about peace in opposition or in direct conflict with the kingdom
0: of Caesar. Yeah. So we, one of the things that has kind of always um, fascinated me and I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking and, and, and writing about is the concept of what the kingdom of heaven is and how that for me has shifted over time um, from being a purely spiritual thing to salvation being after I die to like even before our salvation episode, which I'll I'll link in the the show notes too, because I didn't realize how much that would tie into this um, about being here and now, you know, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, And so the idea of Jesus bringing peace in that way, you know, normally I would have, I don't know how I would have responded if I didn't spend time preparing for this episode, thinking about Shabuot. Right. Because now I'm just tying his teachings to the concept of everybody having their needs fulfilled. Yeah. Which is an abstract idea. At least it was for me growing up in American evangelicalism. Mm -hmm. But you know as we shift this uh, or as I continue to shift and, and deconstruct and reconstruct my my concept of Jesus' teachings to a more physical, tangible thing, the the power of, of ancient Judaism or the Hebrew Bible continues to show itself in ways that I didn't realize I was suppressing
1: mm. Yeah. So, so what would you say, like whether we use Torah, which I think is a good thing to use, as a system of laws for a kingdom, God's kingdom, or we look at the way empire functions, what are some key differences? Which, what, is, what is the shift between, between those two
0: things, do you imagine? Ooh. Um, I mean, one would, <laughs> my, my initial thought is there are things that are um, non-negotiable about helping those who are in need. Mm. The bootstrap mentality isn't there. Yeah. And- or, the, or the shaming of, of, of need.
1: so who do you who is empowered in each of these
0: i'm not sure i understand the question
1: so if you think about a lot of a lot of our laws that we have in the us Mm -hmm. which whether we like it or not is empire and whether you think empire is, is un is unhealthy for the world or not it doesn't make much of a difference here but Who holds all the power in our laws?
0: Oh, um, I mean, (laughs) uh, typically straight white men. Or or I I should say the law works in favor mostly for straight white men. So are you talking about who benefits the most from it or are you talking about those who enforce and write the laws? Or is it, I mean, because in a lot of cases it's both. Yes. So
1: both. Yeah. And I'm looking for a more simple answer than like anything real nuanced or anything. Okay. Then I'm probably
0: overthinking it.
1: No, I I would not say that. I think saying and here's a note for all listeners: we need to get rid of that word overthinking. Okay. Um, because it's it's not overthinking. It's just we're we're not on the same same wavelength. I think sometimes we ah. can uh, negative. Because that word feels so negative. Um, So I would not say overthinking. What I would say is that for me, one of the significant differences is is that when people need fed or people aren't being fed, it's the fault of the people in Torah. Yes. People aren't being fed or cared for in our empire. It's the fault of the government, right? Because the people that are empowered or in power are officials in our government. And the people who are empowered or in power in Torah are the individuals. Does that make sense? I think so. So I would say in Torah, it's a it's a level field, so to speak, of interaction that... If you have, if you have a field, leave the corners of it for the poor and the sojourner, right? Doesn't matter how big your field is, it doesn't matter how many of them you have. Uh, none of that matters. It just matters if you can grow crops. You're supposed to leave a portion
0: for someone who does not have as many crops as you.
1: And it's not specified
0: of how big the corners have to be either.
1: And it's not forced in or taken from you. It's not like taxes, right? um instead it is voluntary uh it is you know there's the imagine that you'll be held accountable by god for whether or not you were generous but there is no uh penalty on earth for such behavior right and whereas in like something like rome or something like uh the united states the dependency becomes on the government or on the leaders to care. Now, nothing's stopping us from leaving the corners of our field, but in a lot of ways, empire does not want us to leave corners of our field. Why does empire not want us to leave corners of our field?
0: Because then it gives people time to consider what's going on around them, like we spoke about earlier. Yeah, because we have
1: a great saying,
0: right? Don't bite the hand that feeds you.
1: And so, if empire is what is sustaining your livelihood, sustaining your life, sustaining your way of life, sustaining your means, doing whatever it might do, it's don't rock the boat, right? Because you're not going to like what happens in the system if you do, right? Um, And this becomes a really powerful thing that we overlook with government, or we overlook with empire, is that empire controls. Now, I I wanna be very clear, I'm a huge fan of social services by our government to make sure people are taken care of. Yeah, agreed. Everything becomes extraordinarily dangerous because it also becomes something that's very difficult to get out of because the way it's structured keeps you dependent
0: on the government. You know what? A great example of this is so we're still in, the, in a pandemic, and the federal aid just ran out or expired this week. Right. The additional $600. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are people who are in power talking about how that extra $600 uh, prevents others from looking for jobs and is a deterrent from that. But something that I never expected to have happen is some fairly um, conservative people I know who have uh, spent some time in their life talking about the negativities of these social services, who have relied on them for the last couple of months because of the pandemic, uh, have started to change their tune because they realize how little you actually make on that. Yeah. And in some cases, it was more than other people were used to making at their normal jobs. And so it opened up the opportunity to have the conversation finally about, okay, well, are you, so do you expect people to work themselves into worse poverty by having multiple jobs or by staying on the services provided?
1: Right. Yep. And, and this becomes a, a prison in and of itself, right, and and this is where again we've, we it becomes very very complicated. Like um, I read an article, I I don't know how true it is to this day, but it was probably a decade ago, maybe longer, um, that basically talked about that if you took all the the wealth of just evangelical Christianity in the United States and you distributed it, you would solve world poverty. Right? Like, just, if you took just the wealth, not, and I'm not talking about, about, like, every evangelical in the U.S. is, becomes, you know, dirt poor, gives everything up. I'm talking about if they gave just their surplus, what they had extra, that it could actually solve poverty around the entire world that to me is astounding right but why don't we do that if that is a possibility and acts two is such an important part to evangelicalism and starting churches then why have we not solved world hunger and world poverty
0: (laughs) because we have a weird relationship with socialism
1: We do. I mean, I'm sorry. And deservedness. Yes. Oh my gosh. Right. Like somehow we imagine Jesus saying, uh, I saw you, you are hungry and you fell within a certain threshold of income. And I watched for a few years to make sure that you put in enough effort to try and find jobs and stuff and education to improve your income and then after studying those things intently I fed you or we imagine it as God saying leave the corners of your field for those whose income and household size are a certain amount that they qualify to take from the corners and that's kind of how we read into the text. Like, well, people are gonna take advantage, aren't they? You know, I used to run food pantries. Yeah, I always thought, I always used to love to take a bag of groceries from the food pantry with me when I would go speak where I knew it was gonna be affluent, predominantly white folks. And they would say, because inevitably the question would come up, Um, well, isn't there a danger that people will just, instead of like going out and getting a job, that they'll just uh, want to eat from the food pantry? And I would put the bag of groceries on the table and say, anyone here want to, for the next few months, just eat the food that's in this bag? You know, And, and who here wants to do an experiment and see how long they're willing to just eat the food that they can get from my food pantry. And because, first of all, your donations suck. The things that you bring and give to a food pantry are terrible. No one wants your five-year-old cake mix. Nobody wants your uh, now-lead-free cans of crap that were in the back of your cabinet for the last 27 years. Right? Like... These are the things that that people don't think about, right?
0: So, yeah. Well, no, no. But you bring up by doing that, you're (sighs) something I I I heard of. I've heard multiple times when I was still working in mega church evangelical world was the disbelief of how frustrated the Israelites got during the forty years in the desert. Oh, honestly, within the (laughs) yeah. Well, and, and so she's like, I don't get it. God's providing everything. What just walk and follow around, right? You eat the same friggin' thing from the food pantry for a month and see how you do. Right. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so so this is but this is important for us, right, when we're thinking about how this is a field guide for overthrowing empire, is that by removing the dependency on empire to provide your base needs or empire holding a threat over you of your own survival, the fact that the faithful come together and make sure that all the needs are met, right? Deuteronomy 15 type stuff, right? If you do all that, there'll be no need amongst you. If If you do that, if you live that out in such a way, then all of a sudden, you can you can be heading up a revolution right i think in a strange way the pandemic has caused this i think we can see the pandemic where because so many people have already lost their jobs they have nothing left to lose they've lost their jobs they've lost their income their their further education their college education is up in the air what's going to happen next all of the uh all the things that they were investing in for tomorrow has vanished. I think this is why the, uh, the uh, protests have remained so consistent over oh, yeah. and months and months since George Floyd's death. And I, I mean, obviously, the, the murder of George Floyd was obvious, tragic, and horrible and was the motivation and i think it still motivates but i think the fact that people now have lost so much in the pandemic that it's like i
0: might as well go protest now um yeah which is really shitty to to say i mean you know you think about ferguson in 2014 if the pandemic had hit then we probably would have seen this outcry and how many uh, black lives were unfortunately ended too soon by police brutality or just in general um, that we should have given a shit sooner. But now that we have the opportunity to say, well, I guess I can't go to work. So now I might as well start giving a shit, which,
1: you know, this is where I would, I'd be careful because I think this is the brilliance of empire is that they have us so busy that we couldn't give a shit. It wasn't exactly. like a decision and give more of a shit now, as we use that phrase way too much, they did with Ferguson. It's more so that now the end of the rope is so much closer. And that's been that's been brought about a lot, not just by the constant, perpetual, ongoing, everyday, seemingly brutal murders and police brutality, but also then the pandemic that has eliminated jobs and income and future and health and lives and everything else, that it just feels like I've got nothing to lose now. Yeah. And where Empire has been successful at placating us is always giving us the impression we have something to lose. I mean, this is how someone like Trump uh, becomes a a huge fan favorite in the world, at least early on, Mm -hmm. that piece is falling away quickly, thank goodness, is because he gave a false narrative, I know this is hard to believe, but Trump gave a false narrative that Everyone has the potential to be a millionaire, a self-made millionaire. And so that impression makes people go, I believe that if I would have just had the right idea at the right moment, I would have been a millionaire. Or I'm just waiting for my turn to hit it rich. And the truth is empire is not designed that way. Mm -hmm. Um, We hold up the one or two rare examples that that happened And we make that hope and we ignore the millions of examples of generational poverty and generational destitution and generational oppression in our communities by upholding one or two people that have somehow broken through. Um, But this is one of the ways in which it has held us back, right, is that we're always waiting for our chance capitalism is going to give us our moment in the sun and you know i'm not debating i don't know enough about economic uh patterns and socialism marxism uh capitalism i'm not as smart as every single one of my friends i didn't realize were economists um on social media that they know way better than i do yeah um so So again, this picture in Acts 2 is really powerful um, because you just have someone who is considered one of the great threats to Rome lynched to put everyone in their place. You are creating a scenario in which people should be scared and hiding and getting, quote-unquote, back in line Instead, the followers of this victim of uh, government assassination, uh, the followers of that instead come together and start growing and start bringing people and saying, safety isn't with Caesar. Look what Caesar does when Caesar doesn't like you. So safety isn't under Caesar. Safety isn't under Rome but let us tell you about Jesus whose ideas of safety were in caring for all the needs of the people.
0: Is is that all kind of? No, it, it makes sense. I mean, the, you know, in case you, are, our listeners have forgotten in a chapter beforehand, we're hiding in the upper room. So we go from, you know, the idea of wanting to, be safe and secure, and away from those who just killed our, our teacher and spending time with him, you know, uh, pre ascension. To now, we are out in the open, ensuring that what was that during a major festival? Yeah, like a million people there, it's from- not hard to find them,
1: right? And they're standing on the steps of the temple. Right? These, when in Acts 2, it says the house, it's not referring to the place where the upper room is. It's referring to the temple. Acts, if you'll notice as we read through, will often refer to the temple as the house. Uh, so that's a really important piece to remember too. So when they're at the house, it's not that this preaching took place out a window of the second floor of the upper room. This was taking place on the
0: temple mount itself. Yeah, and they're still participating in in the Jewish festival at the time. They're not separate. They are one in the same as they were meant to be. Yep, they're not hiding. They're in public,
1: and and their message of of freedom from the oppression of Rome, where they can go from one corner of the earth to the other corner of the earth empowering people this is where discipleship is so significant in understanding everything is that you know discipleship the whole point of discipleship is to empower people right When when jesus disciples or when i disciple someone the point isn't to make a mini version of me and i would even argue the point wasn't to make a mini version of jesus because if so then jesus wouldn't say something to the apostles such as now go and do greater things than these right because if it was just a mini version of jesus they would have a ceiling of him yeah he seems to imagine that their ceiling is higher than what he provided for them and so instead it's discipleship is about empowering people to go and change the world. Um, which, let me tell you, Empire doesn't want.
0: Uh, <laughs> go ahead, did you have a thought? Yeah, um, naturally, when we talk about this, sometimes I think of Star Wars. And I think of the, the the Luke-Yoda relationship, but more importantly, why The Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film. And you can email me if you don't agree, that's fine. But there's a scene where after Luke refuses to train Rey, and then he trains her a little bit and th- they have their conflict and they leave. Luke goes to bring down this, you know, Jedi temple ish relic, whatever. And uh, the ghost of Yoda appears and they have this great heart to heart. And you realize that Luke was always the character in the last Jedi. He was on the natural progression to be. And as they're watching this thing that's on fire, uh yoda says to luke um we are what they grow beyond that is the true burden of all masters and when i saw that that was just like the the perfect image of how discipleship should work
1: yep yep i mean i would be like, there's, there's this thing within the people I've discipled, you and others, right, that I want to see you guys do and teach and disciple uh, in a manner that I'd never dreamt of. Like, to me, that will be this that this whole effort of discipleship has been worthwhile and successful. Um it's not worthwhile and successful if people just say, oh, Don's a, Don's a teacher that I admire, I like, and I got to learn from him for a couple years. Well, that, that's kind, thanks. But if you truly want to uh, celebrate the discipleship process with me, then going and discipling others and going and doing more
0: is, is what will make me dance. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I feel like recently we throw it back to the Great Commission. This is the, you know, this is why discipleship is so important versus making converts. Right. There's a lot of time that it takes to do this. I mean, in Galatians, I think it's two, Paul talks about taking 14 years to learn after he converted. Or, you yep. know, the scales scale fell from his eyes. And none of this happens in a vacuum. And that's the unfortunate part when you remove history and context and cultural context with the Bible. Mm-hmm. We, we see this 66 book book that we imagine happens in a quick succession.
1: Right. Yeah, I think today, if we think about the difference between a convert and a disciple, a convert is someone who, uh, man, this might be a really bad analogy, but I'm going with it anyhow, George. A convert is someone who will post on Facebook or social media that they think uh, that something needs to be done about police brutality. A disciple is someone who will uh, lead a march or lead a rally or lead a discussion or lead a movement against it. Uh, A convert just says, I agree with the principle stated. A disciple says, I am going to empower as many people as I can to fight this. Um, And the church, I would argue, has fallen into bed with empire just by not making disciples anymore. That in some way, empire has won because the church doesn't empower people anymore. It just looks for agreement. It just looks like, yes, we agree with these terms and these ideas and that's all. And I'm good, that's all I need to do. I just need to agree with this and I'm in. And what the church needs is not converts that are in agreement, but they need disciples who are empowered to always challenge, always push forward, always fight for change and justice and mercy at the cost of empire, not at the cost of others. But that's dangerous. And if the church were to start doing that, the church becomes a threat instead of uh, a political party. And the church would much rather be a political party than it would rather than threaten empire. And that is a sad, sad day. So So, about taking care of the needs of all of those around us.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yes. Uh, So we're getting close to time. Is there anything else um, that you want to touch on real quick before we close up shop?
1: Uh, I'm sure that if you gave me more than a 30 seconds to think about that, I'd come up with, I don't know, 42 more verses worth of stuff to talk.
0: Oh, all right then. Well, um, again, if you, uh, listen to the episodes that are in the show notes, um, and there was something we didn't talk or touch upon, shoot us an email, evangelbros at gmail.com. We can also be reached through Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at evangelbros. And our Patreon, which is still up and going, is also at Evangel Bros. Um, which, just a quick shout out to all of our supporters who make this possible. You're helping us keep the lights on um, by covering our uh, server fees and um, just a couple of other things. And yeah, um, I mean, I can't think of anything else. Can you? Not that we have time for all right well uh yeah if if there was something we didn't cover that you want us to talk about uh again email us and i'm sure we'll figure out a way to either respond to you directly or fit it into the next episode so
1: put in a patreon
0: yeah absolutely
1: well i have been your co-host george i've been your other co-host don have a great
0: week everyone bye